Well, good morning again. Wow. Who was watching the game last night? Raise your hands. Okay. Now I know if you're sleeping, um, we'll talk later. Um, We are going to look at this story from Luke's Gospel, chapter 14. Um, It's a pretty uh, fascinating thing. Um, Jesus is eating at the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees. Just an aside, that sometimes you'll see like interviews with people, like personal interest stories, and, and often a question is, name three people you would invite to dinner if you could invite any three people in the world. And often you get, um, I don't know, maybe a famous president, uh, you know, Barack Obama, not, well, maybe Barack Obama, or Abraham Lincoln, or George Washington, um, invite the president, uh, invite a celebrity, or a sports star, maybe um, Taj Boyd, Jadavian Clowney. We'll hear more from them in a little bit. Um, And the third person people often choose is Jesus. I would have Jesus over for dinner. I'll tell you what. I would not invite Jesus over for dinner. He's always making things really uncomfortable. He's not going to be very southern polite, frankly. and, And we need that and we deserve that. But if I had a choice, I'm not sure I would invite him over for dinner. Um... Although, perhaps we should. But anyhow, this Pharisee invited Jesus over for dinner. Why? If we read um, chapter 14, if we start on verse 1. One Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. Why? So they could watch him carefully. So they could watch him carefully. What a dinner invitation. Come on over, Jesus, so we can watch you. We can watch you carefully. And so even from the very beginning, this is a contentious dinner. These Pharisees want to watch Jesus. In fact, they want to test him. They want to catch him in a trap. And here's the amazing thing about this. Jesus actually goes. You think he doesn't know that? You think he doesn't realize that? In a pretty... Um, is, is Lots of press goes to the fact that Jesus dined and ate often with sinners and tax collectors, with the least of society, and as it should, he's revolutionary in that way. But we don't talk often enough about how Jesus actually ate with the people who were persecuting him. He ate with the people who would kill him. He bore witness to those who absolutely despised everything he was about. He was at dinner with these Pharisees. And it's interesting. The Pharisees were watching Jesus, but Jesus was also watching them. And he noticed something very interesting. As they came into the party, there was all this um, jostling around about who was going to sit where. And you can imagine it, them coming in and taking the best seat and then someone higher coming in and and arranging. And everybody's trying to get as close to the host, as close to the important man as possible. And Jesus Jesus is noticing that. You know, just to pick on clergy for a little bit, sometimes we have these clergy meetings. And sometimes we're graced with the presence of the bishop, Bishop Lawrence. And it's really interesting to watch clergy choose seats when the bishop is around. I tend to stay as far away as possible. 
But it's really interesting. This sort of thing happens a lot. Or, or perhaps you go to a busy restaurant and the line is through the door and somebody sneaks in. And, and what do they do? It's very subtle. They, they tip the chair forward at the table they want to sit at, right? Or they leave um, a cell phone or something on the table. Oh, this is my table. Very casual as they, as they head to the back of the line. Everybody trying to get the best seat, trying to be in the best spot, trying to lift themselves up. And Jesus sees this. He's watching them. And so in response to this jostling, Jesus offers um, two sets of instructions. They're, they're, kind of, they're kind of like parables, but it's also he's speaking directly to them. And he says, when you throw a party, do this. When you come to a party, do this. And so first he looks at the guests. And what does he say to them? Verse 8. When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not, do not, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he might say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. So he says, think about where you're sitting when you're invited to a party. Don't take the best seats. Because what if you're not the best person there? What if somebody else greater than you shows up and then you have to get up and move? How shameful would that be? Instead, take the lowest seats. And then when the host sees you and he recognizes you, he will invite you to sit closer. Imagine being at a wedding. Again, let's pick some famous people. Maybe it's Taj Boyd's wedding or Jadavian Clowney's wedding. And you, you get there to the reception and, and they're all up at the front. And you, you, you get as close as possible because they're your favorite football player ever. And the cameras are rolling, and you're like, man, the, the, this, I'm in a great seat. And everybody can see me. This is a, 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 the wedding of the century, and they're, they're having it videotaped, and people are going to see how close I am. But then somebody shows up, maybe a teammate or another player, and they come to you and say, you need to move. And you search everywhere for, for the next best available seat, and you find that you're half a mile away in another room. And it's all on video. How shameful would that be? How awful would that be to have that imprinted on you because in your pride you've actually been humbled. And so it is with the kingdom, is it not? With the kingdom of God in Jesus' realm, those who are prideful will be humbled. Yet those who are humble will be exalted. He says as much in verse 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So that's the first instruction. He says, yes, when you come to a party, humble yourself. Sit at the bottom and and you will be exalted by your hosts. But then he turns, he turns to the host of the party, and he gives his second set of instructions, verse 12 and 13. Jesus said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, 
Do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. So here we have the first instructions were to the guests, and they were basically saying, humble yourself. Now, these second instructions are to the host, and he's basically saying the same thing. He's saying, humble yourself. Don't invite people that are going to give you something back. Don't invite people so that you can receive something from them. And you, many of you have seen this. We call this party the company Christmas party. This is your work's Christmas party, and you invite all your best clients and your friendliest business partners and, and, and your family, of course, and you have a Christmas party that's actually networking. And it's a little bit of you do this and I'll do that. And I'm not saying Christmas company Christmas parties are bad. They're lots of fun. But at the same time, that's exactly the sort of thing that Jesus is talking about. Where you're inviting people and you hope or you think you might get something in return. And it's not explicit, but it's, it's just implied. That's just how these things work in, in this world. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. Don't do that. When you throw a party, invite the poor. Invite the lame. Invite folks who can't give you anything back. Why? Verse 14. You will be blessed. You will be blessed because they cannot repay you. What an amazing thing. You will be blessed not because you'll be repaid. You will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And so there's this call, this impetus on the host of the party... To invite those who can't repay him. To delay gratification. To humble himself. Trusting, hoping, knowing confidently that he will be repaid in due time. He will be repaid on the judgment day. You will be blessed. And so what these, um, these stories, these directions that Jesus is giving, all boil down to is simply... Um, a comparison of the pride and the humble. The proud versus the humble. Um, what does this look like? Well, in this world, um, pride is elevated. Pride is something good. Pride is something we should, well, be proud of, if you will. We should be out there and promote ourselves, right? Promote ourselves so that we can work our way up in this world. Humility, while we pay it lip service... While we say, well, yeah, you should be humble, or, or I'm a humble person, um, rarely gets you far, say, in the business world, or in the world of social structures and social status. Humility can only get you so far. You've got to, at some point, promote yourself. But Jesus is turning this upside down. He said, this is not the way of the kingdom. This is not how it works. In the kingdom, the proud are humbled, and the humble are exalted. The proud are humbled and the humble are exalted. And so his call on us as followers of Christ is to seek humility, to turn away from pride and to seek humility. 
And now, so you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I don't think I'm a very prideful person. I'm, maybe I'm, I'm pretty humble, actually. Well, you might be, um, but I guarantee you that everybody in this room has some level of pride in them. Some unhealthy level of pride, even, if you will. From our text this morning, we can see um, two, two things about overly proud people. The first one is simply this. They crave, if you're overly proud, you crave recognition that you think you deserve. You crave recognition that you think you deserve. These folks jostling for seats at the party, I'm pretty sure none of them is saying, well, I really should be sitting over here, but I'm going to try to sit here. No, they all think they deserve the good seat. They all think they've got something to say to the host. They all think that they belong at the top. Do you crave recognition that you think you deserve? That's a sure sign of pride. Are you upset? Are you appalled that nobody recognizes all the hard work you do? Are you appalled that no one knows how good you are at this particular thing? Does does that, does that irk you to no end? I've been there. I've been there. Okay? I read this text and it, it, it cuts me to the heart. Are you proud like that? Because I guarantee you, you're going to be humbled. I guarantee you, you will be humbled. Second example of pride. The overly proud serve others for their own benefit. They serve others for their own benefit. Um, The host throws the party, well, this particular party, he, he throws the party so he could get Jesus. For his own benefit. I could even see him inviting all his friends and, and thinking, watch, I'm going to get this guy in a trap and then they're going to they're love me. They're going to think I'm the most amazing Pharisee in the history of the world. And Jesus knows this. And so he says, when you throw a party, invite folks who can't repay you. Are you serving others? Are you serving others for your own benefit? Now, there's certainly obvious situations um, where, where you go out and you do something for somebody else hoping to get a favor, hoping to get something in return, hoping they will repay you. Um, but what about in those less obvious situations? How about your marriage? Are you serving your wife or your husband with the expectation that they return the favor? Did they do something for you in return? How about in, in your um, extended family? Do you do this with your siblings or your parents or your children even? Are you, are you offering them service, humble service, so that they would repay you? Probably. At least sometimes. That's an example of, of overly proud people. And then finally, to tie this all up, In Jesus, we see the example of humility. We see the example of humility. So if a proud person craves the recognition they deserve, Jesus Christ gives up the recognition that he deserved. Right? He came down from heaven. The the man is God. 
And he gave that up. He, he humbled himself to walk among us. He gave up the recognition of heaven to live on earth. And not only to live on earth, but to die. And not only to die, but to die on a cross. Why did he do that? So that we could be exalted. So that we could be made high. So that we could be raised from the dead, just as he was raised from the dead. A proud person serves, other for their, or serves others for their own benefit. What benefit can we offer to Jesus? Nothing. We have, we have nothing to offer. He's God. And yet he serves us by giving his life for us. And so, as we leave here today, you need to ask yourself this question. Where is my pride? What am I proud about? How can I give that up? And how can I be humble to those around me? How can I serve others? How can I know the love and the humility of Jesus Christ? by the power of His Holy Spirit, spread that to Somerville. Spread that um, at work. Spread that at home. How can we lay down our pride and embrace humility? It's only by the power of Jesus Christ. Only by His Holy Spirit. Only by reminding ourselves daily, day in and day out, that He gave up everything so that we might live. That He humbled Himself so that we might be exalted. That he died so that we might have life. That's true humility, friends. That's humility that brings us salvation. Let's embrace that and then offer that to the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you humble the proud and you exalt the humble. I pray, Lord, that you would show us our pride, that you would actually humiliate us so that we may be humble, that we may know the power of your life, death, and resurrection through your Holy Spirit. We ask these things in your holy and precious name. Amen.